listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, gang. It's so good to see all of you. My name is Joe Bevilacqua. I'm the lead pastor here. Just want to remind everybody, I do preach here. Um, I've had two weeks where I've been taking notes in the front row, and, and I'm happy that it happened. I'm, I'm glad to be back, that's for sure. But man, Pastor Gabe George's message was out of sight. If you missed that, go to newchapel.com slash watch. Everybody was crying. There's snot going everywhere. It was beautiful. And, and then last week, my wife, Kaya, preached, and she preached everybody in the corner sucking their thumb. Like, Kaya's hard. Like, she, she's got some hard truths, girl. And, and she'll, but as I'm, I'm sitting and I'm listening, I'm taking notes, I'm like, wait a second. I just sent out a postcard telling everybody that I was going to be preaching about purpose, and Kaya's preaching about purpose. And so I, I'm just saying she stole my stuff, and, and my game <laughs> was put off a little bit. I'm kidding. I actually see this. I see God's doing something. I always thought it was in poor taste where somebody would deliver a message and then somebody would come up and have a 30-minute like after show to like grade their, their sermon like uh, very elegant. And, uh, but, but I'm not doing that today. I see what God is doing. And these messages that we're bringing you last week and this week are going to pair together. It really made me have to take a whole different vignette. Uh, based on, on, on her message of what I wanted to bring to you, what I actually really felt like God had for us. And, and so I think you're going to get a ton out of it today. Over the past several months, I've had some friends, five, six friends, uh, that have come to me, and they're at different walks of life, different ages, different parts of the country. And they said, Pastor Joe, I'm, I'm wrestling with this concept of like what, what's happening next. Like I feel like I've got some purpose. I feel like I've got calling, but I, I, I don't know what that next step is. Others of them feel like they've heard from God, but they hesitate to take that step because they don't want to mess it up. They don't want to like mishear God and start something early and, and have it miscarry. And others of them, they're like, I don't even know how to hear God's voice. And, and so Pastor Joe, like, I know he's got more. I feel like something in my heart's pulling me towards more, but I don't know even how to hear from God. And so these are big issues. These are big questions. And, and look at me, everybody. There's something that every Christian deals with. Big themes like, what, what is my purpose? God, what is my calling in this world? How do I hear God's voice? And, and how do I know what? I'm supposed to do to make a difference in this world. Let me be very clear at the onset of this whole message and say this, the way that many of us, men of God, preachers, churches, the way that many of us have handled the topic of God's call has actually just been really unhelpful. And, and here's the reason. We mean really well, but, but we get excited. We're like, God is a plan for your life. And that's true. But we don't qualify it. We don't talk to people about how to take those steps. And so it becomes this cumbersome thing, and you end up hanging out with somebody else, and they've got, like, this definite purpose in their life. And you're like, ugh, it's intimidating. It's a lot. Like, you just, and I kind of wish I had it. Well, you're saying that, but I don't know how to hear all that stuff. You're hearing voices. I don't know how to, I don't know how to hear voices. The vo any parents in the house, the voices in my life are loud enough. I, I and so, so we hear that, oh, God called me into the ministry when I was four years old. Well, great. I'm still paying off student loan debt on a major that I didn't use. And you hear what I'm saying, everybody? And so we choke on some of these things 
But we don't have to. We don't have to. What does this stuff even mean? I don't want people to feel frustrated when they hear that God has a plan for their life because they're struggling to realize what it is. So today we're going to deal with it. The title of today's message is The Calling Question. And our goal is we're going to ask God to reveal purpose and dreams and vision with clarity, not just say buzzwords and cute preaching things. I want you to leave today and be like, oh my gosh, like I can do this. I can take a step. Now today's sermon is less of a sermon. Like it's a sermon. It's not a sermon. It's more like if you had these questions and we were to go out to roasters or Starbucks and sit and have some coffee. In fact, so much of the way that I put this message together is really real questions that you and others have had that that have come to me. And so what do I do? And so I want you to know that I want to play coach a little bit and help you through this process because, listen to me, you are called. God has something great for you, and I am a called person who has a call on his life to help you realize your calling. I want to read for you Ephesians 4.1. This is what Paul wrote. He says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, For you have been called by God. Look at me. I'm begging you today. I'm pleading with you to pick up your call from God. It's there for some of you. You knew about it. You need to dust that thing off, pick it up again. For some of you, you've struggled to hear it. I want you to take steps towards realizing that call in your life today. You have a call, and that call is to influence this world, to make a real difference. Can I hear an amen, somebody? More than success, God wants to give you significance, and he's got it all over you. You just need to see it. I need God's help with this, so why don't we bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we pray that today as I preach, you make my tongue the pen of a ready writer, that I have a word, your word, to give to these people. It's not so important that they hear Joe Bevilacqua, it's it's important that they hear God. So Lord, I thank you that you direct my words, direct people's hearts, God. And Father, even beyond the words that I indeed say, I pray that they would hear your voice today. We love you, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody say One of the most common questions that I receive from people is really just the why question. Like, why does this even matter? Why do I need a calling? Why do I need a purpose, a vision? Why does this all matter? It's a common question that people ask. And they think, well, I've got a career, and I've got plans, and I have ideas about where and what I want to do. And I'll go to church, Pastor Joe. I'll be engaged. But why does this even play in? I'm going to show you this in Proverbs. It says this in Proverbs 29, 18. I'm going to read it in the authorized version uh, first, and I'll read it another later. Uh, the Bible says, where there is no vision, no dream, no, no, no purpose, um, you, you don't have that call apparent, you can't see the call, right? Where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, certainly, that is talking about literally it's a deadly thing because we can see what happens in, in political leadership where there's no vision. People are going to die, because you don't have your finger on the button. Amen, somebody? But it's also just true in our lives. And it doesn't mean somebody dies. It means that, means that your, your hope can die. It means that emotions begin to wane. You see this depletion fall over your, your life, aspirations, your emotions. You become, you become depressed because you don't see the vision. You don't have that forward motion in your life. What's missing? A God dream. If you had that God dream, you, you wouldn't be at a spot where things are dying on the inside. 
Proverbs 29, 18, you could say where there's no driving dream or revealed purpose, clear vision, where there is no cause, people die on the inside. I'm going to read it, uh, Proverbs 29, 18, out of the NIV. That is the nearly inspired version. Uh, it says this, where there is no revelation, same thing, right? No vision, no revelation. The people, they cast off restraint. This is the person that's saying, maybe it's even the room right now. Maybe this is you. Who cares? Who, ca- who, who cares? I, I, W, I, I, Pastor Joe, it is what it is. You find yourself in that disposition of life, and you just start to say things like, this is not like a Christian thing, right? Whatever. You cast off restraint. It doesn't even matter anymore. I, why? You don't have vision. If you had the vision, you wouldn't be that way. I, I can see this in my own life. And if you have vision for your marriage, you're going to love your marriage. It's going to have oxygen in it. You know what I'm saying? If you have vision for your workplace, you're going to be excited. Guys, there are times where I've waken up at 4 o'clock in the morning, shower, shave, and come into New Chapel to work all day long because I'm, I'm enamored with what God has going on in my life. I love my job. And so, so that can happen, but the opposite is true. You lose vision in your marriage. You lose vision for your job. You lose vision for parenting. You lose vision for any promotion opportunities or what could be next. You start to cast off restraint. You get loose with your life, loose with the way that you live your life, and it becomes something that is deadly. You're in survival mode, sir. You're just getting on, and the truth of the matter is this. Write this down. We need vision for our calling. God created you for significance, not just survival. You're not here just to exist until you die. That's not what it is. God actually has something significant for you. Can somebody say amen? It's just true. In fact, the words dream and the word health, those two words, in your Hebrew Bible, the translators struggled to bring it into modern-day English because in some cases, it's the same word, dream and health. Some cases, it's a derivative, and they didn't know which way to turn it. Dream and health are synonymous, and it's because you need it active. So why do you need this? It's part of how you were made by God. And to to operate in that way is what you need to be fulfilled. Can I hear an amen? I want to read it, uh, same passage, but now from the message. This is what it says. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Anybody else in the room, you've stumbled all over yourself before? But like when you have that forward motion, you're most blessed. Blessed is Christianese. We just think, God bless your heart, you know. Blessed there is actually talking about a deep, a visceral fulfillment, a happiness that's transcendent. You know, those days where I wake up early and I come in here and I work like crazy person or stay late or whatever, it's hard work. You know, I'm mid-30s, everybody. Like, I could go to sleep right now. I'm great. I got four kids that are young. I go to sleep. I go to sleep right now, okay? So when I go to bed at night, I lay my head on that pillow. I'm exhausted. But it's not exhausted like the world is. It's good work. So it's like, oh, that was awesome. I want that for you so badly. I want you to feel like I'm doing it. We're, we're taking ground. Come on, somebody. You with me? From the gospel of Miley Cyrus. It's the climb. You know, like, let's... It's the only thing you should read of hers. Okay. 
you'll be most blessed. Most, it's a meaningful existence when you have God's vision, his dream, his call, and it's an anchor. And it's like, that's what I got to do. I got to do something. I've heard uh, somebody ask me before, what if I don't have a calling, Pastor Joe? I see other people, and they have a calling. I've tried to, like, pick up on the radio waves of, like, God's calling. I'm not picking it up. What if I don't have one? Let me solve it for you. And we're going to spend a lot of time in this passage, 2 Timothy 1.9. The Bible says that God has saved us, and God has called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to our own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. First part of that, if you're a Christian, you're saved, right? And you're called. Happened at the same time. In fact, I want you to think of calling as something like a funnel. It's something that God has already done. If you're saved, you are called. And that's this first portion of the tunnel, the larger portion. And, and really what that is, is to say that to be saved or to be called, a lot of those topics have to do with everybody. Now, there is a specific call that God has, and you will get there in a second, but a lot of God's call for your life, it's just the same for everybody. You're, 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 you're existing in it. And so we get overwhelmed with the concept of calling because we think of it all as the doing, the stuff I got, I'm called to do, right? And if you're called, there will be much doing. But we focus so much on that that we miss half of the equation. What is it? It is God is concerned with who you are becoming. And so God has saved you and he has called you to do what? To be a good Christian, to be a good spouse, to live a moral life, to be a person that uh, uh, abides in God's promises. So you see, God has a call on your life to be a great husband or wife. That is specific in some ways, but really it's just general. It's for everybody. Do you, do you understand where I'm going with this? It's for everybody. And so in that general call... You need to get good at it. God gives us a ton of space. I'm ministering to a young guy right now, and um, he feels called by God. He feels like this forward motion, and he knows that the job that he's in right now is not what he wants to be doing. And so he's talking. He's like, Pastor Joe, I don't know what I'm supposed to do yet, so I'm fasting and I'm praying. I don't know if God wants me to work at Target or Starbucks. And I said, listen, God doesn't care. If God doesn't tell you, thus saith the Lord, the one on 28th Street, not Alpine. I mean, <laughs> it's not because of the great merits of either of those companies, I will tell you. If God's not telling you, he doesn't care because the season that this young person is in is they need to get some of that saved and called stuff on lock. They need to start getting the promises of God active in their life. And so, so we think of like, oh gosh, every single move has to be providential. Anybody else in the room just want to shame the devil and tell the truth? You made a fool of yourself doing two things. Here's what I've done. Number one, when I was young, they used to drop me off at church. I remember coming home one time, and I couldn't find anybody. I thought I missed the rapture. Okay. That was just for me to have some support. Number two, I got this thing in my mind where it's like, what if I get the wrong major in college? What if I buy the wrong car and it's the car that has the defect? I'm gonna hit a tree, I'm gonna hit a tree, I'm gonna hit a tree. Like it's just repeat in my mind. What if I ask out the wrong girl? 
you know, and, and she likes me, but then, I actually, but then I'm like, I don't like her. And then, and then like I mess up some other guy's life because he never meets her because she's with me on some night, but I really didn't like her the whole time and I messed up God's will. What if, what if it's not my time to die, but I go on an airplane, it's the pilot's time to die. <laughs> I get in my head. Anybody else get in your head a little bit? Jesus, take the wheel. Be in my head trying to figure it all out. Like, God, what are you doing? What, how, how, do I, how do I make this? How do I make any sense of this? And the reality is this. It is important where you work. But it's more important how you work and who you're doing it with. It's important what you're doing, but it's more important how you're doing it, who you're doing it, and why you're doing it. You see? So saved and called, God is trying to resolve some things in you. So what's God's call? What's God's will for my life? Write this down. Very deep, very profound. God's will is his word. What's God's will? I'll get to the specific, and I'll talk about that. But you need to start with the fact that everybody, in fact, if we were a country, we'd say, all y'all, everybody, you're called to a lot of the same things. Like, we all have a great commission. We're all called to go preach the good news. We're all called to live this life before God, right? And so, so the saved and called are pretty general. Throw up that slide, gang. I, wanna, I want you to see that everyone's called to salvation and that there's a general call. That's right here. And in fact, in so much, God even puts it this way in Colossians. I want to read it for you. Throw it up there. Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do, Whatever. So we talk about a negative whatever. Here's a different whatever. God's like, look, Starbucks, Target, I don't, that's, I don't deal in that currency, okay? Whatever, whether it's word or deed, do it. Do it in Jesus' name, everybody. And, and give thanks to God. Like God. And so at those early steps of you trying to be like, God, what do you call me to do? There's just going to be a lot of daily life. If you're looking for the clouds to split and light come on you and, and God says, Starbucks, I don't think it's ever happened. And so what you have to do is become the person that does these things well. So here's what I'm trying to show you. God's will is whatever. When, when you're doing that whatever, you do it in Jesus' name. You do it as a, as a child of God. You do it in a godly way, and you start to become the type of person that begins to hear the go over here, do this, work here. Does that make sense? So it all matters. And I don't believe that God is asking us to make the discernment in between you being a good dad being a good employee, serving well, and hearing from him and taking steps. In fact, so much of God's will for your life and the great calling is in this first piece. And the people that don't get this first piece, they can't keep the second. We've all heard of the charismatic leader, whether it's church world or business world, and they're awesome, they're bad to the bone, they're so dynamic. And then they have a fall from grace and lose their family and lose everything. And the bottom falls out of it all because they didn't win God's calling, his will in the first step. So when they got to the specific, they couldn't keep it. Their character took them. I've heard the old preacher say, character will take you, right? Or gifting will take you to a place character may not be able to keep you. And that's what would happen. So we've got to win God's will in that level. Uh, it makes me think of a Bible story out of Mark 11. Uh, Jesus is... Uh, Incredible couple days for the disciples. You don't have to turn there. If you like extra homework, you should read it. But, I mean, they're cleansing the temple. They're taking ground in the ministry. Thousands of people are following him. It's just blowing up. And they're getting ready to go to Jerusalem. This will be the triumphal entry where Jesus rides in, and they're putting palm trees down and saying, Hosanna, like acknowledging him as the Son of God, as, as the Christ. And so the disciples are kind of like high on the hog. 
I don't have this like definitively, but I do think that it's James and John that are in this story because of the previous chapter, they talk about wanting to be great to Jesus. And so Jesus gives them a great assignment. In Mark 11, he calls two disciples and he says, I want you to go do a task for me. And here's what they're thinking. This is my holy imagination. I'm high capacity. I'm a leader. Jesus, we own this town, Jesus. We're getting ready to come in. Triumphal entry. We got shirts printed. I'm a high-capacity leader. I'm starting a podcast soon, Jesus. Like, it's going to be great. We own this town. They're getting ready to do it. And Jesus says, okay, here's your task. I want you to go and find me a donkey. I want you to go free it. If anybody asks you, just tell them I have a need for it. Go on now. How, do, how would you feel? I'm high. There's only 12 of us, Jesus. <laughs> I'm high capacity. You know, I'm a leader. I've cast out devils. Devils! Snakes! And I gotta go on donkey duty, Jesus? And here's what I know. There's people in the room right now, and you felt the call of God, and you felt like it was insignificant. Or maybe you never picked it up, and so it just feels all like donkey duty to you. I have no idea what to do. Sent me the stables. I'm not that guy. I don't know how to do this. I wanna do something great, and, and this is... Could it be that God's giving you a step? Could it be that God has something more? Or could it be okay that you have to run donkey duty once or twice? You know, they did it. They obeyed. And that donkey is, is, is the very vehicle Jesus used that rode him towards his destiny. So you see, nothing is wasted. No, no small thing does God overlook. Say amen, somebody. In fact, you should tweet this if you haven't deactivated your Twitter this week like me. The size of your assignment, the size of your assignment never determines the significance of your assignments. Oh, it's too small. It's not a big deal. I don't need to show up. I'll just call in. Listen to me. God, God has something for you. And so you can't get upset about donkey duty. And I know it's hard sometimes because this first portion of it, we want the fireworks of the calling. We want the fun part where it's like, you're going to go change nations or whatever it is, right? I think I see lotto in my future, you know, but it, God's like, okay, I want you to start with who you are, and I want you to be okay with small tasks. I want you to develop this trust for me that's so deep, so when I give you some deep stuff, you got some place to put it. And so I'm praying for you, church, because that's a hard pill to swallow. I understand. That's what it says in 2 Thessalonians 1. That is why we always pray for you, asking our God to help you. Do what? Live the kind of life he's called you to live. You're called to do it, but some of calling has no fireworks. It's daily life, daily steps. It's character. That's how it worked out. It's not worked out another way. You watch ministries show up overnight and explode. I will show you when that firecracker falls. It's forged and fostered in prayer and devotion and time, seed, time, and harvest. It takes time. I got to move on. So, there is a general will of God for every single one of us. And yet, between called and purpose, remember saved, called, purpose, grace, between called and purpose, things get very specific. Throw that slide up there, guys, the, uh, the third slide. Um, so purposed and graced is all about you. And so you're, you're calling, you could say that whole thing is your calling, saved, called, purpose, grace. But really, once you go from called to purposed, it's, it's you. You have a purpose. And you have a grace. We'll talk about that. What does Jeremiah 29 says? It's on your grandma's fridge. I know the plans 
oh, oh, we're not talking about this. We got plans. You see, we, we think that we got to hit that, that arrow through to hit that bullseye and all the pressures on you. But in reality, you start working on who you are and you get to those plans. That's what channels everything through. So it's like you, you have to hit the bullseye. You have, does it make sense, everybody? You're seeing it. You're seeing it. So see, I got plans. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. One of a billion hyperbole times in the Bible where God is going to show you his intent. I'm not bad. Don't listen to that church you grew up in. I'm not upset with you. I'm not angry. No lightning bolts. It's plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you what? Hope. How do you have hope in something you don't know? You can't have hope to have kids if you don't know what kids are and know some of the mechanics, everybody. Like it. Faith without works is dead, by the way. And anyway, how do you have hope? You got to have hope in something that you know. What are you going to know? Future. I got plans, future plans for us. You can have hope in something that you know what's going on. God is, God is not holding back his call on your life. He wants you to know it. He wants you to wear it. And I'm telling you, it's not, you're not going to be some, some wild evangelist wearing a white suit yelling at people like Colonel Sanders. It's not how it's going to play out. It's going to be you, but it's going to be the best you. What he calls you to do, it'll fit like a glove, like a tailored suit. I have one nice suit. The rest of them are very cheap. And, and when I put it on, oh. Anybody know what I'm talking Like, oh. Start st- yes, I start standing taller. How are you? Good. You know, I mean, just... <laughs> That's your call. It'll fit so well, you're like, I look good in this. I'm, I could take ground in this. I could run in this. You know what I'm talking about? I could have a... Okay, I'm, I'm going to start doing a poetry slam if we don't move on. Okay. So it goes from general into being very, very specific. And you can't have hope in something you don't know. You have to know what it is. Write this down. Huge deal. God's call for you is specific. And it is tailored. It is general. It is for everybody. There's some things that we're all called to do. But then it's also specific and tailored to you. It it would fit like a glove. It's who you are at best. That is what God has for you. And he knows what the plans are. Like he hasn't lost the narrative. He's writing the script, and you got to sink in with that. You think you'd be happier doing other things? You're wrong. You'd be so much more happy sinking into what God has for you. Can I hear an amen? amen. Now, here's what I can't do in one message. I, <laughs> I, I can't give you everything about calling and purpose and God dreams and all of that like I could, but we ain't going to be leaving for a long time, everybody. And so what I can do is I can give you a great primer for all of it, I can give you three truths that I think if you begin to like meditate, assimilate these into your life, you can get astride with this whole concept of calling. I know you can, you can do it before you leave. And so what we'll do is in all of it, though, I'm going to resource you for things that you can do outside of this room. See, sometimes we think everything that happens in Christianity has to happen in an hour on Sunday. And the reality is I want this to be the epitus for, for a step in your life for a move forward. Can I hear an Amen. Here we go. Number one, write it down. God will minister his calling to you personally. Personally. He wants to speak it to you. We have a speaking God. I don't know about that. Listen, it's not his problem speaking. It's often our problem listening. 
but we have a speaking God that wants to speak to our lives. God wants to reveal himself to you. And if that kind of messes you up or messes with your doctrine, I have a license to meddle in these areas. It should, but God wants to speak. Well, audibly, Pastor Joe, I've heard of people that have had that. I don't want it. Because every time I read in the Bible where God starts talking to people audibly, it is catastrophe afterwards. So I'm good. We'll talk face-to-face when I get there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm all right. I'll read that book. You know. But does he speak? Much louder than audibly. John Osteen is Joel Osteen's dad, a man of God, incredible man of God. And Lakewood Church was once Lakewood Baptist Church, B-A-P-T-I-S-T. And he was a Baptist preacher. But he began to stumble on to the goodness of God and to the message of faith and that God is still working today and healing bodies today and encouraging and God speaks today. And that, that was the one that got his local denominational council all upset. And so they called him in to rebuke him. And they made him come into one of those meeting rooms. You know, maybe you've seen them in a local township where everybody's sitting on a stage looking down at you. Remember the pharmacies back in the day where you'd give them your script and they go, we'll call you in an hour. You know, I mean, it was that type of situation. And they're all sitting up there just huffing and puffing. And God doesn't speak today. And they went over everything for, for, for a day. And he's sitting there, and he's just listened to all of it. So it all comes to a conclusion. He says, so there you go. Do you have anything to say for yourself? And they're thinking, like I think when I correct my kids, that they're going to say, I repent. You know, like <laughs> John Osteen, I believe it was the spiritual gift of wisdom. He says, you men are called into ministry. They said, yes. Who called you, and how do you know? It lasted for a couple more minutes, and they said, Brother John, you gone. <laughs> a big hurricane came through Houston, blew off the word Baptist off the church sign. They never put it back. That's the story exactly of how that played on. You see, God speaks today. He speaks to his kids. Acts 2, at the beginning of the church, he, he, said, he said, your old men are going to dream, dream. Your young men are going to have visions. Your daughters and sons, they're going to start speaking God's word. And so God wants to speak to you. He's going to do it in a way that you can receive. This is, this is what I know. And he's going to give you vision. I'm believing God that some of the older generation, you start to dream again and have vision again. What does that dream mean? Does that mean that I'm, I'm asleep and I'm seeing stuff? Yeah. Does it mean that you're awake and, and you're, you're visioning things with God? That's how it really happens with me most of the time. I've had one vision in my life. So, so, you could be dreaming with God, and here's how I know that God and I are in a flow. I'll be dreaming about stuff. We're going to be reaching people. We're going to do this outreach. we do whatever, and I feel this thing in my heart. It's the Holy Spirit confirming the word. Yeah, yeah, let's get them. Let's get them all. And then, and then dream dreams. I mean, while you're asleep, while you're awake, have visions while you're asleep, while you're awake. You can do that. God will also speak to you in ways that are like, that was God. Like, I can't move off that. That was God. So I was raised uh, in a largely secular home. But my grandma, she went to country church, and they sat in the back, but they, they wanted to make sure that I went to Bible camp. And so from the time I was very young, I think seven, eight, nine, something like that, I'd go to Bible camp every single year at Northland Baptist Bible Camp in Dunbar, Wisconsin. 
okay? So we, we go up there and have Bible camp. But by the time I was 10, 11 years old, I remember this particular session. Uh, they had a speaker in. His name was Steve Pettit. And Steve Pettit today is the president of Bob Jones University. Then he was a struggling evangelist that's doing, you know, youth camps. And that's what it was. I wish that I was at teen camp. That's where, that's where everything was that I wanted in life. But, but I, was, I was in Pioneer Village sleeping in teepees at night. And what we had was we'd have chapel services in the morning. We'd have devos in the morning. We'd have a service at night. And then we'd have devos at night, like Bible camp. And so... I remember the first night they did a salvation conversation. A lot of kids got saved. I was already saved. And through the week, they're taking you on a journey. But by Friday night, the evangelist Steve Pettit preached this message about giving your life to Christ. That is to say, it, not necessarily being saved, though we would have been all over that, to pray with somebody that wanted to be saved. But taking your life, whatever that even means, and giving it. So, so if God called you to be an insurance salesman, you'd do it. If God called you to be an artist, you'd do it. Missionary pastor. I mean, whatever, whatever it is that God calls you, you're committing to do it. And that night they gave the altar call and I was the first one down. We had a tradition in the church I grew up in where you'd go down, you'd shape the Baptist preacher's hand, meant that you meant what you were going to do. And then you could receive prayer, a word of prayer. I was crying on the way down and everybody's watching me as I'm going. Well, later that night in the teepee, literally that we slept in, the counselor and some of the boys, they're saying, Joe, you were, you're crying your eyes out. What, what did God do? I said, guys, I was crying my eyes out because I know I gave my life to Christ tonight, and I'll do whatever he tells me to do, and I'm so afraid that I'm going to have to go to Africa and shovel elephant dung <laughs> for the rest of my life. <laughs> but I knew. Guys, this is before there were cool pastors. Nobody, nobody's wearing skinny jeans. They're all wearing some suit from Sears that doesn't fit right. They got potluck all over all their white shirts. Man, we'd slam a potluck. Like, there's, no, there's nothing in me to say, like, and I knew I'm called into ministry, right? There's nothing in me that says, oh, yeah, let's go join the circus. I mean, it was a circus. There's no guy, what's his name, down in Charlotte, who's preach, 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 eating his microphone, looking all bougie, bougie. He either looks bougie or he looks like some guy from Cuba. I don't know. Anyway, like, none of the cool preachers. None of the influencers were there. It was a life of ministry. And I'm like, I know I got to do it. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. But I knew. Do you know what I'm talking about? That knowing. Now, I want to show you that scripture one more time. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. And I'm going to break it down for you. So it, it says this. God has saved us and called us. Go and throw that, uh, that slide, guys. He saved us and called us with a holy calling. It's not according to our own works, but according to his purpose and grace, which is given to us in Christ Jesus. That saved piece is, is, yes, salvation. It's where you win with God. You accept Christ. And what needs to happen? You need to start doing God's will for your life. His call is to unpack what he has for you and start to grow as a disciple. And then you go to called. This is sanctification. Everybody look at me. I know it's intimidating. Here's what it means. Sanctification means you becoming more like Jesus. That's it. You're already righteous, but you need to work on becoming more holy. It's where you win within. You find resolve in, in your lordship relationship with Jesus, and you grow to trust what he says. That starts with black and white in the Bible, and then it grows to when you start hearing from God, take a step. Purpose. Now we get very individual, right? This is where significance starts to bubble in your life. We start to win direction from God. He starts to direct your heart towards making a difference in a specific way. And then grace, 
this is where you'll have the most satisfaction in your life. Why? You're going to start winning results. Grace, it's a grace gift, right? God-given gifts, talents, and resources. You start to leverage those in your life to make a difference. That's the process. That's what it means. Saved, called, purpose, grace. Then what happens? Once you're using these grace gifts, you're using them on purpose because you have a call on your life to win more people to Christ so they experience salvation. It's cyclical. Everything about what God is doing in you is to bring him glory, more of his kids home into the house, into salvation. It's amazing what he does. Do you see it? That's how the funnel works. That's how the bullseye gets lined up. You can't miss but it's because you, you worked on the big stones first before you got granular. Okay, write this down. God can reveal everything to you in a moment, or he might take pleasure in mining it out with you. If you're a person and you're not here and like, oh my gosh, I gotta do the whatever, God can take you and your personality type on a journey. And so that's where New Chapel, we're actually really good at it. I'm giving you a message that's 30,000 feet in the air and overview, and you're like calling, right? But we have two systems at this church that really, really can help you with your calling. First one is, I don't know if I've ever told you, it's a new thing, New Chapel Connect. <laughs> new Chapel Connect. Here's what it does. Yeah, we're talking about purpose and vision of the church. We're also talking about your purpose and vision. We give you a motivational giftings test, a personality test, a survey to see what, what things are you interested in. And based on that, we help you take that first step. And here's what we do. We get you involved in ministry. You don't have to do any of the steps. You can. And we're getting on fine without you. But here's the big idea. I love what Pastor Gabe said when he was here. He said, you taking that step and serving, it is not that ushering is the completion of your call in life. But it is you taking a step of obedience to God, flexing that muscle a little bit so that you actually can lift the big things later on. And if you can't do it in the small things, how did I hear it before? If you're too big for the small stuff, you're too small for the big stuff. God wants to speak to you in divine ways, but some of that might be serving as a greeter. Or if you have the gift of giving, give. Or if you're backing kids, serving in kids, that first step is massive. Because you have certain things that you are passionate about, past experiences that play in, values and gifts in your life. We want to show those to you and get you in beginning steps. The second system that we have that really takes it out of like first steps and really gets granular is called New Chapel Grow. Now, New Chapel Grow is a small group. It's held in the spring and it's also held in the fall. If you are interested in this, I can send you this uh, information in your email, and you can do this independent study. But the idea is we get real grassroots with it, and we talk to you about it. We have two whole sessions of this where we talk about your calling. One is called Made for More and how we show you how to take these steps to hear from God. Because those are big questions. Like, how do I hear from God? How I can help you. I just can't help you in one hour on one Sunday. So New Chapel Grove, if you're interested in that, fill out one of the connection cards, let us know. New Chapel Connect, you could do today, tomorrow, I'm sorry, next Sunday rather, because it's happening during both services, during the 9 o'clock and the 11. And that's an opportunity to take first steps. I would encourage you to do both of those, especially if you're wrestling with this, because God does not want you to have ambiguity. Can I hear an amen? God wants you to know. You need to know. 
And here's why, number two, a godly calling, it comes with a cost. It's not cheap. I think about the Apostle Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament, everybody, a lot of those books. Dynamic man of God. But he wasn't always that way. He started his life as Saul. At one point in his life, he was killing Christians and persecuting the church. God could see greater things in Saul, soon to be Paul. And so he confronted him, not to hurt him, but to give him direction. He said, look, you, you go into the next town. There's a guy, one of my people. I want you to talk to him. His name's Ananias. You go talk to that guy. He's got a word for you. So God lifts off from Saul, goes over to Ananias and says, this is what I want you to tell Paul. That's what I'm going to call him. Let me read it for you in Acts chapter 9. But the Lord said, go for Saul. He is my chosen instrument to take my message. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Chosen instrument. That's you. Man, chosen of God to take my message. Oh, come on, somebody. Okay, now we're going to have a platform. Now we will be an influencer. Now we will have the, the podcast. Take my message to Gentiles and to kings as well as the people of Israel. And there's more. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. What? All of the influence and the, the, the ground taken, it was paired with pain. It's not a popular thing to talk about all the time, but let me tell you, it's real. It's a real thing. You're God's chosen instrument. There's two big things I would take from that passage. You're God's chosen instrument just like him. Well, for what, Pastor Joe? To, to be a witness, admire. Or maybe a witness to your unsaved kids who are adults and are drifting. Maybe you are God's chosen instrument to be a person that can pray for your spouse because they're going through a season that you've never really seen them go through before. You see, in some of these things, we think of calling, and really, it is granular, isn't it? I got I to gotta do this. I got I to gotta pray for the people that are in my sphere. I got I to gotta be involved. Maybe you're a chosen instrument for your workplace or in another area. Write this down. People ask this question. God, I've had a lot of people come to me and they've asked me a certain thing. Is that a confirmation of what you're saying? People ask me that. Pastor Joe, I've had somebody come to me and they say, somebody told me to do something. Is that, is that God? Okay. I'm going someplace. If you heard from God and then you heard somebody come up and they're like, you should do whatever, and you're like, oh my gosh. That's a confirmation because God already spoke to you. But our world is crazy right now, and there is political tension, and there is moral tension, and a lot of people are just looking at some trusted sources, and they're being like, you should run for the whatever, and you need to be on the school board, and you got to go do the, and they're just, we're just grasping at straws, and so somebody comes to you with something, and they see giftedness, and they're just talking to you, you need to judge that, because otherwise you're going to cause yourself a lot of pain. Not everything that everybody says is what you need to do. You need to hear from God. That's the most important thing. And then God can confirm it. I'm trying to save you a lot of pain and, and heartache and all of it. So God can confirm his word, but I've also learned this. God sometimes confirms his word to me through criticism and hardship and resistance and pushback from other people. So I was young, I told you, when I got my first call from God, like I, I knew I was supposed to do something. But I went back home to a secular home. I mean, we put up Christmas trees, but like that was, that was Christianity, okay? 
And so I remember when I was 17, I followed this girl and her family to church, and it was June 4th, 2004. I, I walked in, and it was amazing. This church was just alive, and I saw people reading their Bible. Never seen that in church before, truly. And I saw people smiling. Anybody else go to church when you were young? It's like everybody's angry, you know? And so I see people smiling. The worship was a lot like what we experience today. And it was, it was uplifting. And, and then I heard the message, and my heart was just like, oh, my gosh. And so, so I, I wanted to join the church that night. Within a couple of months, I was selling tickets at my school to some church event that I was planning. And by the way, that's how it, that's how it goes. When God has your heart, you're just going to end up serving. And so I'm serving, and I'm, I'm selling these tickets with a mentor of mine. Her name is Cheryl Pulasic. And I looked over at Cheryl, and I said, Cheryl, uh, I don't want to sound prideful, but I think God has called me to speak. Cheryl looks at me, and she says, Joe, no, duh. That was my great call. <laughs> a good old-fashioned no-duh from your mentor. Okay, a couple months later, we had Saturday night services because we were cool. And, and so I, I went down, and I'm worshiping. It was our custom to come to the stage and worship. And, and so we were singing a song. I'm dating myself a little bit called uh, Fields of Grace by Big Daddy Weave. There's a lyric in that song that says that there's a place where religion finally dies, and I'm worshiping down there. And in a moment, I had the only vision of my life. I'm seeing myself preach. I'm kind of like from behind. I'm wearing this caramel suit, and I'm preaching, and I look good. <laughs> and I can see faces. And as far as the light would go, the faces go. And what God did in a moment, it would take me hours to explain, I, I, I can't. I got to go preach. I got to do this. I got to be in ministry. And I knew this. I have to plant a life-giving church. I'm 18. I have to plant a life-giving church that plants life-giving churches. I got to do this. Now, guys, I got to tell you, that is what I am praying for you. Something in your heart that says, I got to do this. I got to go by that nursing home and I got to talk to people because I'm the one. I got to do it. God wants me to do it. I got to go by that school. That school's going to go burn in hell. It's crazy. They've all lost their mind. They're insane. It's child abuse. I got to go. I got to volunteer. I got to show up. I got to be a, I got to, I got to go do something. I can't let these guys at work, they're cussing like sailors. They're all going to go to hell. They're just going to hell. I can't do it. I got to talk to them. I got to get into their lives, but I'm sanctified. No, no, no. I got to get into their lives. I got to step. I got to take, I got to move. I got to, do you know what I'm talking about? That's you. That's you. God's going to give you something. I got to do something with my life, and it matters. Selah. This calling from God that I had, you would have thought that church would have been like, oh my gosh, this is great. They would have supported me, gave me a little offering on the way to Bible college. None of it. Guys, I'm in ministry despite the leadership I had in my life who is hard and cold and questioning and critical of how God could use me. Let New Chapel never be that. Amen. But that criticism, them taking my inventory, it made me have to double down in my calling and be like, no, 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 God told me. God told me I got to do that. And I had, I had to know that I knew that I knew and that I got to do something became cemented in that season. And that's why I don't look for a lot of people to confirm the word that God gave me. There's about five that I will allow 
If somebody else did it and it was the Lord, I would know immediately. But I don't allow that junk because you don't need a presbytery of people speaking into every move that you make in your life. You need to hear from your God, and that's where you're going to have peace. If it rubs the cat the wrong way, turn the cat around. That's country, but that's good preaching. Say amen, somebody. This call from God is both a gift and it's a grind. It's, it's both exhilarating and exhausting. It's a gift, but it's a burden. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you haven't sampled into your call on, on, on your life. God never said it would be easy, but he did say that it would be worth it. That's number three. A godly calling will sustain you. Oh, like nothing else can. You'll need it. If you are a person that's going to live by conviction and say, God has called me to make a difference in this world, you know how hard it is, but you know how fulfilling it is all at the same time. It will carry you. It will keep you going. I think of the Apostle Paul, how, how he kept going. And he was an incredibly successful minister. He didn't stay at that spot at the early on. I mean, he wrote so much of the Bible. He started churches all over. But he faced a ton of persecution. And I just wonder, how did you endure everything? How did you not become discouraged? How did you not become bitter? If you're in this world long enough and watch some of your heroes fall, you can become bitter about things closed and narrow and cold with people. Paul, how did you do it? He faced shipwrecks, and, and, and he was beaten, and he was imprisoned, wrongly accused. He was laughed at and spit at. And in the midst of all of it, he got snake bites. They, they detail that in the Bible. I hate snakes. It's the devil. How'd you, how'd you do it? How'd you not get... How'd you persevere while other people fell away? Write this down. This might be one of the more profound things that you hear in your life. Paul didn't finish because he was so competent. He finished because he was called. Something I got to do. Some ground I got to take. Some, something I got to do in this world before I die. I got to do this before I die. I got to make this impartation to my kids before I die. My days are flying by. Anybody else in the room? What's happening? I got, I got to live this thing with some purpose. So that's why he wrote in Philippians 3, I, I'm forgetting. I'm putting effort and energy and focus. I'm forgetting those things that are behind me. Look at me. May God give you the gift of amnesia today. Because there were some things in your life that might have started and just miscarried before it took off. I'm sorry. Or... or or you sabotaged yourself or screwed it up or went too far or stayed back and were too timid and you're going to have to spend time forgetting that junk because that's not who you are. God has a new day for you. Another step. And behold, you make all things new. Forgetting what is behind, straining towards the head. And it's a strain. It's a, it's a climb. It's a push. I press on. I'm not giving up. This is the guy that killed Christians. I'm not giving up. I'm not stopping now. God, you let me know when you're done with me and, and I can die. But as long as I'm sucking oxygen on earth, you have something more. I'm pressing into it. To what? To the goal. 
to win the prize. What's the prize? See, you think, oh, I don't need all that reward in heaven. It's, you don't get a vote in it. He's called you to do something, and I'm going to reward you. He's looking for this. That's what he's looking for. For the prize for which God has, there it is, called me heavenward. It's all towards that. God has, listen to me, this is where it makes sense. God has a plan for your life. Click, you get it. How do I keep from giving up, Pastor Joe? You're called. It's not easy, but it's the most rewarding thing in the world. And so I've been asked before, Pastor Joe, what if I did mess up? What if I did miss my season? What if, what if we started something real and it was chugging and then it, what if it died? I know the healing that this is going to bring. I can feel it. Romans 11. The Bible says this, that the gifts, the gifts and the, and the calling of God are irrevocable. He knew what you would do to mess it up, to self-sabotage, to blow it, to say to He knew what you would do back before you even knew you were called. It's irrevocable. He won't take it off your life. You can't sin your way out of it. God still has a plan. I've spoken to men in this church late in life who said, I was called to be a pastor. I was called to youth. And I've said, we have a youth ministry starting this fall. Welcome home. Because the gifts and callings of God, you can't sin your way out. Mess you. It's, it's look for the next on-ramp. Here we go. They're irrevocable. I like how it says it in the King James. It says that they're without repentance. Like God's not sorry that he gave them to you. He's not sorry that he called you. And you didn't pollute it so much that God is running in fear. You don't have a right to shame yourself out of the call that he has in your life. Wow. Now i got to wrap this up. I have a confession. This is so, the things you do to preach the word and like kind of fillet yourself to do it. But here we go. I want to be important. I want to have influence in this world. <laughs> Buy me some skinny jeans, get me a podcast. I want to do that. But when I get to heaven, God's not going to say to me, well done. Thou influential and important son. If I do this thing right, God will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You see, who you are is part of your calling. And when you get that unlocked, God does have so much more for you. God has called you to be faithful. God has called you to be a person that becomes a called person and hears that specific call and walks it out. Will it be difficult? Lord will it. But Paul said this, I'm hard-pressed on every side, yet I'm not crushed. I'm perplexed, yet I'm not in despair. I'm persecuted, yet I know something. I'm not abandoned by my God. I'm struck down, yet not destroyed. I have a call on my life. And so I'm begging you. 
I'm pleading with you to not think of this as some sort of accessory to Christianity, but really the arc of your narrative. I'm begging you, as it says in Ephesians 4, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you, I, I plead with you to lead a life worthy of your calling and realize this, you, you have been called by God. Father, in the name of Jesus, this is a holy moment in this room. There are some people that have gone to the funeral of their calling, and God, like you always do, you're showing up to the party with a resurrection. God, I pray for those that have dead callings, that they would be resurrected in this room today, that they would write it in their Bible, that it's come back to life. God, I pray for the person who thought their ship has sailed, that they're too old, that too much has happened, they missed their opportunity. I pray for the person in the room, God, who feels disqualified, that they would realize God does not call qualified people. He qualifies the called. That God... They wouldn't run in shame from your call, but they would lean into it because that is the most humble thing to do. And God, I pray for the person that wasn't expecting a message like this, that maybe didn't think of themselves as called, that God, you'd speak to them in something so loud they can't ignore it, that they would hear from you that amazing call that fits like a tailored suit that's just for, just for them, nobody else. And that, God, they can make a difference in their life before they die. Speak to your kids, God. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I just need a moment here. You just need a moment. Let's let God do his thing. Let God speak to you. Let God minister to you. I'd be tempted to think if I do that, I'm not going to be as successful. You'll be more successful when you sink into his thing. Don't run from it because of money. Don't run from it. God's got money. Maybe there were voices in your life that said, it's not happening. And they ridiculed you like they did me. Friend, listen to me. That's an indicator of your calling, not an indicator that you're not called. The devil was doing wild things, fireworks, to make it so you would feel that way. The opposite is true. God, we love you. In humility, we receive and we believe. God, I thank you for the call. God, I pray for that person or people in this room that they're listening to a message like this and it resonates, but they don't have a relationship with you. God, I pray that you'd help me to find them. In Jesus' name, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you came in here today and you say, I'm not right with God, whatever that even means. 
Jesus is God's only son, and he made a way for your relationship with God to be complete again. The Bible says that that happens by you calling him Lord. What does that even mean? It means you're done being boss over your life, and you're like, whatever, in the best way. Whatever my life is, whatever this is, God, I give my life to you, the one who made me. The Bible says when you call him Lord, you're saved. You have eternity in heaven. You avoid a Christless hell. And eternal life starts not when you die, but the moment you accept Christ, the, the purpose and the dream and the peace that you're looking for. It's in a relationship with God through Jesus. So if that's you in the room, we're going to pray. And, and by that, I mean everybody in the room. We're, we're going to say it kind of supporting you in the declaration of your faith. But if you mean it, the Bible says you'll be saved. Church, I want us to pray this out loud, all of us in the room. Pray, Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sins so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit within me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Hallelujah. If you did accept Christ, we're proud of you. Tell somebody about that. And if you could take the next step of filling out that same connection card we talked about earlier, and check in the box that says that I accepted Christ. I'll send you a note in the mail talking about next steps that God has for you. He has great things. If you came with somebody and you believe that they prayed that prayer, get them. Encourage them to fill that out so I can get that info into their hand. Uh, two quick announcements before I dismiss today. Uh, the first of which is we have a youth interest meeting this Tuesday at 630 that is, if you're interested in serving in youth, or if you feel like you have vision for, and I'm saying youth, that's so dated, student ministry. We're going to be ministering to students because we're trendy, okay? Student ministry, youth ministry, if you feel like you've got some vision for that, want to serve in that, it'll be here at the church, 630 on Tuesday. We need you. We need we need. We need some buy-in from this church to take some ground. Can I hear an amen? And the, the second announcement is this. Uh, Chapel Ridge, uh, you saw the video about that. On your seat was a Chapel Ridge invite. Here's what I know. You know people that I don't know. And so I want you to talk to somebody in your life. Maybe they need a job as a teacher at Chapel Ridge. Maybe they're a person that is looking for child care. To answer your question, we accept uh, religious exemptions both for masks, if they ever pop up again, they're popping up a new chapel, and then number two, for vaccines. You don't have to get that shot. And so that's a great incentive for a lot of people that are uh, trying to find a job in this world or trying to find a place for their kids. I don't want Chapel Ridge to feel like it's something that New Chapel does it is part of, of a vital part of everything that we're doing here. Can I hear an amen? So youth is at this uh, uh, Tuesday at 6.30 here at the church. I'll be there. Pastor Brian, a whole gang of us. And then also Chapel Ridge, those two things. Put those at your forefront as you leave. Can we give it up one more time for those people that did accept Christ? Hallelujah. Stand up on your feet. I hope you got something out of this today. It was really my love letter for those of you that are dealing with it. Babe, why don't you come up here? Let's pray for the people. Give it up for my bride. We love you. 
We know that you're called. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, you're called. I'll see you next week.